Hey everybody, welcome to episode 147 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for the last 30 years. This week, we continue our series on features talking about recovery. So, let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, the sun is shining. I see newspapers full of stories and pictures of beaches full to the brim, or as we say, full to the gobbles with people sunbathing and topping up their color. So if you're a beach detectorist like me, it's time to get out there and hit those beaches every evening because the sunbathing population is possibly bursting at its seams right now, especially if you're in Ireland and the UK. So make sure to get out there. I got out there myself this week. I got the opportunity to detect on a private beach up the country. I didn't have much hope for it because essentially it is a private beach. And as you know, you need a high population of people for fines. So I didn't find much. However, I did have the opportunity to practice a few techniques such as gridding and refining my pinpointing and find recovery technique. And speaking of recovery, that's what we're talking about this week. Not find recovery, but recovery as a feature of your detector. And this will be the second part of our series where I pick each feature of a detector and break it down as best I can for you guys to try and understand a little bit better. I'm by no means an expert, and this is my version of what I believe is happening. So there is that warning that I must put out there at all times. So last time we talked about ground balance and mineralization, and in that discussion we talked about target masking or even ground masking, where the mineralization in the ground masked out the target. Well, on normal ground, you can also have masking that occurs, target masking, and that occurs when you have two fines close together and one fine's signal masks out the other find completely. And that's essentially called target masking. And to combat that, your metal detector has a feature. It may be something that can be manually adjusted or it may be something that's automatically in there or just set in-house at a certain level, and that's called recovery. Now, I did do an episode previously on recovery. It was episode 116, Rant, Response and Recovery. However, that was more around the woes and the tribulations of people presenting air testing as facts on YouTube and how it's very easy to represent a great recovery speed by using air testing online. So recovery is often paired with response, and we're no different today. You can't talk about recovery without talking about response. But to talk about response and recovery, we do actually have to talk about target masking. And like I said, target masking is when one target masks out the signal from another target. The level of target masking is correlated to the distance the two finds are from each other. So the closer the finds are, the more likely it will be that your detector will target mask out the second signal. This is normally more prevalent when a target is discriminated out. So an iron target that may have a good target right beside it. Your discrimination may null out the iron target as it should if you have your detector set up like that. But in doing so, it also masks out the adjacent target, which may be good due to that discrimination. Target masking just doesn't affect iron type signals. It can also happen 
with several targets that you want to actually find within your range. Say, for example, you may have copper adjacent to a silver coin, and that copper signal may null out that silver coin. And if you're only looking for silvers, you're only digging silvers, you may disregard that copper. Now, this is really out there. I think everybody, if they had a good copper signal, would dig it. I'm just using this as an example to say that it's not just iron signals that mask out other finds. That it, it can happen with different metals that occur on different parts of the conductivity scale. So how good a target is and how high it is on the conductivity scale has no impact to which target will be masked. The only factor that impacts whether something will be masked is its distance to that other target. And the second target will always be masked, depending on your swing direction. So if you're reading from left to right and you're swinging from left to right, your first target will always mask out the second target. If you're moving your coil from right to left, you can actually target mask out the first find. So if you're doing several swings over it, you may find that you're flip-flopping, target masking out each other. That's what will give you a signal that jumps around, say, for example. So the distance between the targets is the most important factor. Or, to be more precise about it, the time taken to travel, that distance between those two targets is the most important factor. That's why you get the advice to swing a little bit slower if you're experiencing some target masking, because that increases the time between those targets on a swing. However, swinging slowly results in less ground being covered. And that's where recovery comes in. Recovery is the time taken for your detector to detect the target, process it, identify it, present an audio tone or a VDI signal on your screen, and then return to a base level where there's no target being detected under the detector. Response is a subset of recovery. So like I said, there is a portion of the signal where you detect the find, you process the find, and then you respond to the user with whatever the detector identifies the find at. So response is a sub-process of recovery. This is a very important thing to remember when you're talking about response and recovery. Realistically, it should be stated as recovery and response. Most modern detectors come with a facility to adjust your recovery speed. However, if you have an older version of a detector, you may have recovery set at a factory preset. And the only way you can really address target masking is by adjusting your swing speed, like I said previously. The best way to do this is to get out your old test bed, have your finds close together, and adjust your swing speed till you can pick up every one of those finds with ease. But also make note of how fast your swing has to go to create target masking. This only is relevant if you have a detector where you can't adjust recovery. But if you do have a modern detector, you can adjust your recovery speed up and down to best suit the environment you're hunting in. But remember, response is a subset of recovery. I'm not sure how long the recovery time is on a processing level. So when you are actually adjusting your recovery speed, I don't believe you're actually adjusting your recovery speed, but you're really only adjusting the response time. And, and here's why I believe this. You set your recovery speed at five on your detector or seven, depending on your detector. And that recovery speed equals one second. That's one second for your detector to process the signal it gets from the coil, 
identify what it believes it is, present that to you on the VDI and create a response in a tone. So one second to do all that. So you can't really adjust the processing steps without overclocking the processor on your detector. And this is why I believe the way manufacturers get around the fact that they can't overclock the processor is to adjust the response time to give an overall lower recovery time. So let me go through the example again. So say for the previous example I mentioned where the total recovery time is one second. So say the first phase of the recovery period is always a half a second. And the second phase, the response phase, at a certain set and say five is another half a second. So your total recovery and response is one second. You can't adjust the half a second processing piece of recovery, but you can adjust the response. You up your recovery speed and the first initial part is still 0.5 of a second, but your response gets adjusted down to say 0.3 of a second. So that gives you the impression that your recovery is 0.8 now, as opposed to one whole second. Again, if you adjust your recovery up a little bit higher, the first phase, the processing phase is still half a second, but your second phase, the response phase gets shortened again to 0.2 of a second. So your total recovery time is 0.7 of a second. Now, this is just an example I've concocted in my head on, on how I believe it is best to explain how it works. And this rings true because as you adjust your recovery speed up, your response tone shortens. This allows your detector to get back into that base level phase a lot quicker by shortening the response time, giving the impression that your overall recovery is faster. I hope it makes sense and I hope it is clear that adjusting your recovery up in particular shortens your response time. And you can keep going up higher and higher till your response is nearly an unintelligible chirp. And that for me is just too short because I believe that you as the user should be using that audio tone back from your detector as part of your own signal processing. And if that tone is too short, you're not going to be able to identify the pitch. Plus, you're not even going to be able to identify the strength of that tone. It's up to you where your recovery speed is set. And that's based on your ability to process the response from your detector. Ultimately, it's about setting yourself up with as much information as possible in the dig, no dig conversation that goes on in your head the whole time. Where will you use or should you consider adjusting your recovery speed? Recovery is one of those features people love to dick around with and adjust on the fly in the hunt, believing that it's going to help them in recovering more fines. However, for me, it's only worth adjusting recovery based on the level of trash on the site. And in fact, that's what most trash programs do is adjust up your recovery speed. So for me, if I'm on a beach and I find that I'm getting at least one or two targets under my coil during a swing, I will tend to adjust up my recovery speed and only then. Manufacturers like to use recovery speed as a indicator or a KPI that their detector is more powerful than the competitions. And for me, I would never use recovery as a barometer on the quality of a metal detector because a detector's quality and ability to detect can be down to so many other factors. And realistically, every time you go detecting, your swing is not going to be consistent. The distance between two targets is not going to be 
consistent. And having a recovery speed that's adjustable is a good feature to have. However, you can also adjust the rate you swing to allow for target masking. Recovery as a feature is great if you have it on your detector to allow you to navigate trashy sites better. But don't be sold on the marketing blurb to say a faster recovery rate is actually better than another detector with a slower recovery rate because ultimately it's the human that's the, the major variable in the recovery equation. For example, you set it up high, you're naturally going to swing faster. You're swinging faster, your recovery is higher. You're just negating the benefit of adjusting up your recovery speed. So for the full effect of recovery, make sure your swing is consistent and only adjust it when you find that you have two or more targets under your swing at any one time. And that's it for this week, guys. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave the podcast a positive review in any podcast directory of your choice. We have Patreon. You can buy me a coffee. We are uploading each week the podcast now on video format on YouTube. You're going to see all the jumps where I have to edit out all the mistakes. Go look at that. It's uh, highly entertaining. <laughs> but yeah, guys, listen. That's it for this week. I'll be back again next week. And most importantly, get out there. Good luck. Don't be dicking around with your recovery speed. And happy hunting. Bye.